I appreciate that. I just love seeing kids serving and uh, learning scripture and singing and having joy. There's just uh, there's just something about about that that um, I think just ought to fill us with joy when we see that. And I appreciate those. Um, I know many of you who are guests of our church this morning. Your your kids came along to our holiday Bible club this week, and I appreciate your sacrifice taking them here uh, every day and, and then also coming this morning. Um, in a little while, I know that the kids have been waiting for this moment, um, for a moment where they're going to learn who won in their age groups, all right? And they've been competing all week to see who would get the, the big prizes over there. And uh, the kids have done well not to stare at those all, uh, all service long, but, um, but we're going to find that out soon after the message and uh, also this today, we're going to have a baptism as well. One of our um, our girls are going to uh, going to get baptized, and then we're going to have another baptism this evening. And so we're looking forward to those things today, and uh, just a lot of things that we have. Um, also, the fellowship lunch afterwards. Hope you can stick around and, and just be part of that. There's a jumping castle for the kids and some of the bigger kids as well, if you like, and then some other things as well that you can um, just enjoy as a family together. But appreciate just uh, what the Lord's doing through, uh, through our kids' ministry and, and how God's working there. And we did have a wonderful time of, uh, at, in New Zealand. Appreciate those who prayed for us. Appreciate those who checked in um, after the, the earthquake. There was an earthquake, a 6.2 magnitude earthquake, but it, we didn't feel it. We were up in the mountains three hours away and, um, and didn't feel a thing and only found out when people started texting us to check on us. So appreciate that. But we had a great time over there. Um, we, we got to minister at a, a new church that's just been planted four months ago in South Island Baptist Church in Christchurch, and they're seeing God do a tremendous work. They've already got a, a good number of people, and then on Sunday, we saw three people get saved, and, and so it's just worth it, the trip, and then a great family time as well. So I appreciate that uh, we get to, get to do that for the Lord and then uh, get back and, and come home to an excited church about what God's doing here. And... You know, just thinking about the, the passage that we read this morning, and, and I, I agree with, with Brother Glenn, there's, there's, there's probably no more joyful and, and, and uh, verse in the Bible than the, the verse that we read in verse 5. And we think about, we think about the, the, the joy and the energy and all of the things that come with, with children. And we got to uh, be reminded, as, I guess, as, as uh, mum and dad this week, we were just mum and dad for most of the week. And so we were able to just watch our kids um, enjoy the, the travel that we had and, and just have a lot of fun and laughter and all of the other bits that come with kids, right? All of the chasing them and making sure that they're, they're up on time and all of that. And sometimes we can get carried away in the responsibility of having children that we forget that we really only have moments with them. And that pretty soon all of the laughter and all of the noise of a household becomes silence and becomes just a foregone memory. And, and sometimes we, we don't quite, I think, uh, we don't quite uh, appreciate the moments that we have. And I thought about this verse uh, coming into this week, and, and the Lord was just reminding me about a couple of things, how really when it comes to, to, to children and just the, the joy it is that God 
has for a church, but also for a family to, uh, to, to have these young ones in our, in our households. You know, really the goal of every parent and the goal of our church, and, and I'm sure churches who have faith in Christ, their, their goal is for their children to flourish, right? We put this on, and, and you should have seen the, the amount of nights that our team put in to put these decorations together, and, and uh, some who, uh, you know, really, really just uh, sacrifice their time, and, and all of that just so that our kids can have a, a, a tremendous week where they can just have a memorable time, and they certainly did. You know, um, coming here on Friday, I got to my, my photo taken on that dinosaur over there. You can see my picture over there. Please don't laugh too hard. But, you know, we, we have a great time with our kids. And, and coming onto the property, there was great laughter. There was, great, uh, there was a great spirit of things. And, and all of that to say, really, our, our hope and our goal is for our, our young ones to flourish. We want them to, to not just survive their childhood, but to thrive. We want them to see out their, their time as kids and as they get into their adulthood to have fond memories. And, and we recognize, though, that in a fallen world, in a world that, that's such that we live in, there's great difficulty at times in that as well. And this great book of Zechariah really was written alongside the book of Haggai. Those two prophets prophesied at the same time, there were contemporaries about 16 years after Daniel. They, they really prophesied to the remnant. And where, where Haggai was the, uh, a bit of the, the negative guy, Zechariah was the positive guy. He, he prophesied to talk about all that God was going to do eventually to the nation of Israel and all of the great triumph of that and included in this, in this, this great picture of what God was going to do to restore Israel and restore God's people was this description of the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And one day when God does away with all of the evil and He rules right here on the new earth and brings about the city of Jerusalem, He's going to sit on the throne and He's going to do the thing that humanity hasn't been able to do. And that's create a great paradise here on earth. You know, sometimes we reflect on our childhood, and many of you, you know, grew up in a different era, of course, and sometimes we describe that to our kids. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's suddenly trendy to think about the 80s and 90s, right? Any, any 80s and 90s kids here? All right, there's a, there's a bunch of us. You can own that, all right? But it was a great era to grow up in, really, like when you think about all of the, the, the really the, the safety that we had, we could go out, we could play, and, you know, we could, uh, most of the time when we got home from school in the afternoon, all we could think about was to play outside and to play with the neighborhood kids and get to know uh, our friends there and hang out and ride our bikes and everything else. And yet the, sometimes the thought of that in our day today, there's no thought of that. There's, there's all of the things that we think about in our world today that are evil and and we see society that's really, in, in effect, worsening, isn't it? There's some things we took for granted as kids that we don't even dare think about our kids allowing our kids do now. Because just society's changed. There's great danger and sometimes there's great fearfulness even in our own heart about what our kids are going to experience and, and, and see in the world that's out there. 
And yet, when we look at what God does in, 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 in all of His plan in creating a really a perfect society, as God comes and He takes rule and reign, we see as part of that a really a great picture of children flourishing. There were boys and girls playing in the streets. You know, there's still some places, I think, around the world that can do that. But generally speaking, we don't see that much more in Western society. We don't see that much in, in even in our day today. And yet, when we think about a, a society that's flourishing and, and, and children that are thriving, we picture them just having great freedom and great liberty to play. That's what kids love to do. They, they, can have the, uh, they don't have any knowledge of any kind of danger out there. They just have great liberty. And I think about this great picture in the New Jerusalem, how, uh, how just out there, these boys and girls, the mo- great multitude, can you imagine, playing out on the streets. And, and God has a prescription for, for how to see our, our young people, our children flourishing. And I hope that's your goal today. I hope that as you think about the investment that was made perhaps in, in your week, and, and again, it's spoken about over and over again by different parents through the course of the week, how much they appreciated that. But, but really, all of that time and effort and, and all of the sacrifices and all of the, the sleepless nights at times, all of the getting into characters and learning lines and, and studying the Bible and studying these and singing these songs and learning the verses, all of that is to invest in the next generation because we know that as the Lord tarries His coming, it might be them one day. That they're fighting this day a great wicked world that they need to be insulated from. And we need to do all we can as a church and as parents and as, as a household of faith to help them. Why? Because we want them to flourish and we want them to succeed and we want them to live lives that will be pleasing to the Lord. And that's our goal. And that's our heart. And yet what we see in this prescription of, in, in, in the scriptures of how God will do it in that time, there's some things that we can learn as well for today. There's some things that God mentions here that I think is, is pertinent for us to, to think about and pertinent for us to, to perhaps observe in our own households and in the things that we do in regard to our children. Because can I remind you, they're in heritage from the Lord, Right? God gives them to us as a stewardship. And we've got an accountability to, to do right by them because we want to honor the Lord. And so as we think about it this morning, I hope that you would just key into the message. And I pray that, that each, each family here would be, be helped this morning. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the message. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, just the, the joyful week it's been. And it's been so great to hear of the the, the wonderful uh, young boys and girls who've put their faith and trust in you and, and so many who've learned the scriptures, so many who've learned some great truths that they'll, uh, Lord, hopefully apply for each and every day of their lives. And even this morning, thinking about just how they, they sung out so well and how they uh, lifted up, uh, Lord, their voices to, to share a truth. Father, I pray that you would please just bless our, our, our kids. But Lord, also bless us as we do our bit to help them, dear God, to 
uh, Lord, to grow up and to, to live a, a life that would be pleasing to you. And I pray that you'd please bless each family here. I appreciate, Lord, their time this morning. And so I pray that you'd please bless your scriptures to our understanding. And I pray, dear God, that then you'd be pleased and honored as we walk away from this place in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And notice with me a couple of things as we consider what it is, boys and girls playing, how it is that we can help them thrive and flourish. And, and there's some things that, that God applies as he, he builds the perfect society that we ought to consider as well this morning. And notice verse 3 as we get started. Here he's describing how he's going to return. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion. And will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And we know the geography of Jerusalem was, is it's in great heights in the nation of Israel. And as God thinks about the, the, the new Jerusalem and this place where people can thrive, he, he says, firstly, he says, I need to return to Zion. You know, he was prophesying this, this prophet Zechariah to a people that really had become hardened and really displaced from their God's city because of their rebellion, because of their heart to want to follow after other gods. And, and so what he begins with, he says, I'm going to return. I'm going to have my rightful place. And, and the first thing we need to consider and we need to think about if we're going to see a, a household that will thrive is that really God has to take center stage. He's got to be at the center of it all. You know, we understand something about kids is as much as we, we, we have them to play, and often much of their learning is, is really down to how much they play, we also understand that kids need structure, that, that they need some sort of structure and some idea of, of, of those who are in charge. And we, we understand then that uh, the, the family structure in today is being so much under attack. Why? Because it's really, to, uh, it's really to disturb and disrupt God's process of producing good, uh, good young people and good people. And what, what we're seeing here is really, as part of that, is a removal really of, of God's place and a removal of God where He needs to be in the home. And we've got to start right there. And what we see here is God starts off his prescription for, for flourishing household with this, that he needs to take back center stage. The Bible says, there, and, and thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion. He is returned in the place. It's amazing, isn't it, the difference God can make in a place. You know, I think about the families that we got to meet over in Christchurch and a number of them who've just been saved in the last four months and uh, I, just sitting with a few of them and them describing how it came about that they got to know the Lord and, and their description of how it was to how it is now. And you understand that when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to God and when it comes to how He deals with us, when He's in the place, He never leaves it the same. You know, when you got saved, the Bible says that you became a new creature all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and, and God, when he looks at this city, when he looks at the fact that he has been removed from his place, he says, I am returned, and that's the difference. And, and many of us here would do well if we would just put God where he needs to be. We need, we need to put God in his rightful place of priority. 
We need to put God back in His rightful place of, of being preeminent. We need to put God back to His rightful place of being the principal uh, one that we, uh, we follow after. We need to uh, put God back in His rightful place of power and authority in our lives. And so many times, there's, there's much of society that drives away and gets us far from uh, the way, where we need to be in regards to the Lord. And we need to get, get God back to where He's at. You know, where God needs to be, He doesn't need to be outside the home. He needs to be right in the middle of the home. He needs to be where, where the scriptures are read. He needs to be where, where we sit down with our children and we teach them about God and we teach them about who He is and we teach them about communing with Him and we need to put Him back on the throne of our hearts and the throne of our lives. And if we would do that, everything else will fall into place. See, the Bible tells us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so many times we look at the, 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 the way households are becoming disrupted and disturbed, and we look at, the, uh, look at society, how it's disintegrated to what it is today. And we sort of try to, we wonder how that can be returned. And really, it's got to start with this. It's got to start with God getting back where He needs to be. He needs to be at the center. He needs to be the one that's lifted up. You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians 1.8, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You know, not, not, that, he's, not that he's important. No, 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 he's the most important. And, and many times we have different goals sometimes as individuals and many times we have different goals as families and we have different goals as a church. You know what our greatest goal ought to be is that we would just lift up Christ and put Him on the thrones of our hearts and have Him at the center of our homes and have Him in this place preeminent. And I hope that that would be our desire this morning. I hope that we would go about and as much as we can be known for different values and be known for different backgrounds and be known for different uh, other things that we've achieved in life. I hope that first and foremost, we would be known as God's people because it's God that, that, uh, that we lift up and we follow. And that he needs to take center stage again. He says, I am returned unto Zion. You know, too often we allow other things to take God's place. And yet, what is the greatest need and the great benefits, there's great benefit in putting him where he needs to be at the center. You know, it says there that he's returned unto Zion, and we need to firstly, we need to return him there. You know, if we've, we've replaced God, if we put other things as first in our lives, and, and especially us as dads, those of us who are called to be the head of our home, and those of us who are called to lead, I hope that we would return him in his rightful place. And at times, when God has been displaced, we have to purposely return him there. We've got to put away those idols. We've got to put away those things that we've put in his place. And we've got to make a decision that he's the most important person in our place and he must have the rule. And so we've got to return him there. We've got to return God to first place, to a place of ruling, and to put off all others that have taken his throne in our lives. But notice there that he says in verse 3, and dwell and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. He says, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. 
You know what that's speaking about? We need to rest in His presence there. We need to understand that, that once He's there, that we need to rest in Him. We've got to be near the Lord. We can't take Him for granted. We can't just think that, you know, just because we're saved and just because we go to church and just because we have other things in place that we've got to just be guarded in the fact that He's got to dwell in the midst. And we've got to be near the Lord. And many times the activities of life can, can drain away that closeness and that nearness that we're supposed to have with Christ. You know, I think about Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they invited Jesus to their home. And Mary and Martha were, 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 were akin to Jesus. He often went to Bethany. He often dwelled in their home. And what we find is, is Mary chose a, the good part. But then the Bible tells us that Martha was cumbered about with much serving. And even in the good activities of life, if we're not, we're not taking the time to be with Jesus, taking to, to the time to rest in His presence, taking the time to, to walk with Him and to abide with Him, as the Bible says, then so, many, so much of those activities robs us and takes us away from that restfulness in Him. And, and we suddenly find ourselves a little bit flustered and frustrated and we can get taken away here and there and we suddenly find ourselves a bit disrupted and a bit without peace and joy. And yet the solution is to just come back and return to the Lord, is to rest in Him. Now the Bible tells us in John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you. The Bible says, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. How's your abiding? You know, how's the time where you're just not busy for Jesus, but just busily at the feet of Jesus? When was the last time you just spent some specific time, maybe in the morning or in the middle of the day, just to pause and just to rest in His presence and to understand maybe in your scriptures, maybe through prayer, sitting there and just gleaning from Him? When was the last time? And, and how needful that is for our children to see that, for them to observe an active walking with Christ, an active abiding in Him. And we need to rest in His presence there. But then notice with me in verse 3, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. And the fact is that truth so often is a premium today. There are so many who actually they would be seeking for truth if they could find it. And yet here we are, we're supposed to be the people of truth. But notice that the city is suddenly as God is returned, as Jesus is returned in His rightful place, then Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord, that's another name for Jerusalem, the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And so notice then thirdly, as we think about putting Jesus at center stage, there's a result of that. There's a resulting of Him being there. And what we see is, firstly, it's become a place of truth. You know, so much of the craziness in our world is really a result of this, a result of godlessness. It's really in stark contrast to what we see in this scenario where children are thriving. We see Jesus take center stage, and then what happens is it becomes a place of truth. It's a, it's a place where the Scripture is, is at, it's, it's at a paramount. It's a place where it's, it's not strange to see that mom and dad have the scriptures opened. 
It's not a strange thing for, for, uh, for mum to call out to children and say, hey, can you get my Bible and they know where it is. It's not a strange thing for, for there to be an exposition of truth as, as, as life just is, gets, gets played out and the filter and the worldview of which everything is, is seen and the perspective given is from the Word of God. It's a place of truth. And a place where truth is held at a great importance and not the lies of this world. And then notice, secondly, that this mountain, this place becomes a place of holiness. And holiness, when you think about all that God is, that's His hallmark. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And, and so much of the world wants to, uh, to erode holiness and purity in a home. So much of the, the things we allow for our children to see and watch erodes that. And yet when we see God take center stage, it's also paired with great holiness, with an understanding of who God is, with an understanding that, that we are given the ability to strive for and to walk in sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to take that time as, as parents and as families and even as a church to observe and understand where we're at. And so much of what God does when we allow Him and we get, give Him His place, center stage, just flows out into a life of truth and holiness. And you know, we, we see this, God, uh, this, this uh, starting to unravel as we think about this new Jerusalem. And yet what we observe, notice verse 4, not only does Jesus need to take center stage, notice what the Bible says about this city, thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. And every man with his staff in his hand for, for very age. And what we also observe is that there needs to be bigger people there. There needs to be those who have gone through, and you know, the, the goal and the hope, if, if Jesus delays his coming, is that these boys and girls, one day they will be the old men and the old women. We want them to grow up and, and, and live a life, as was mentioned about Daniel, not only following God in their youth, but following God in their older age. And I look around and I see, and no offense, we see some older women and older men in the room. And we see those who perhaps in your childhood you learned and knew Christ. And now you're in this stage of your life. And I count those of you who are parents that God has given you young children here. It's, 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 this is you that, that the Bible's talking about. And for there to be a flourishing, there needs to be those who God will use to guide and to be an example. And there are those even in the city who are older men and older women, they were dwelling in the streets. You know, it's the same place as the kids were found. They were out and about. They weren't separate. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't disconnected with the, the other generation to follow. And, and there's, a great, there's a great importance for generations in a household, generations in a church setting to, to have a, com a communication together and for there to not be a gap. For there to be an understanding that, that we thrive 
when there's a, there's a fellowship between the generations that God gives us. The Bible tells us that one generation shall praise thy works to another. And there's supposed to be a passing on. And, and what we see here in verse 4, there's, there just needs to be bigger people there. You know, it just can't be a society of kids. It's going to be a society of those who have matured. It's going to be a society of those who have gone through their youth and have gone through their young adulthood, who've gone through their, 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 uh, their younger years, and now they're coming onto the years, but they're still there. They're still thriving. In fact, they're still out on the streets. They're still out and about. And the Bible tells us that they, they've got their staff there. They've got their staff. The Bible says there, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And it speaks of that great guidance and that great experience. And, and I'm glad for those who've followed Christ for decades. I'm glad for all you all who, when I observe it, you've had a testimony of faith. And, you know, recently we've celebrated 45 years as a church. And there's a handful of, of you all who've been here nearly from day dot. And you've come along. And you're still here. And you've raised your family here. And now they're raising their family. And you know what that is? It's a great testimony. And praise God. And that's what's going to produce a thriving, a flourishing. And what we see, that there needs to be bigger people there. And I want to I I encourage you. Maybe you're, you don't have your family here. Maybe you don't have your children here. And maybe you're, you're, you find yourself, well, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm just part of the church, but well, I want to tell you that God actually calls us a family too. And you still play a part. You know, there needs to be some of you who have gone on in years and you've got a little bit of experience in the things of the Lord and you've got a little bit of experience in life and you're observing maybe some young families coming up and, and, and there needs to be an awakening a little bit in you to say, hey, how can I help? Hey, how can I guide? Hey, how can I lend a hand to help this young family through? And I, I, I somewhat can empathize and can see where we were at and where we used to be. And now God's brought us through. How can I help? And there needs to be a bit of that heart in a place. You know, I'm so glad that, that God has allowed us to, to just experience that from a family point of view. Man, but I want to tell you that but there have been others that God has brought along our way who my kids look at as, as uncles and aunties and they look at as grandparents a little bit and, and there's, they have their, their real grandparents but they have others that have just loved on them and have invested in us and when we get together with them, it's just family. You know, that's what the church is supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, you, you, might just, you might feel a little displaced initially, but I hope that you get along a little bit and you start to feel a little bit of belonging. And I hope that there are those that have been here for a while who's just starting to go, you know what, I want to be a help. I want to be a blessing. I want to, I want to uh, come around that person. And, you know, what we see here is there's, there's generational stability. You know, there's old men and old women who are dwelling in the streets. They were flourishing too. They weren't just drying up on the grapevine. There were no prunes in the New Jerusalem. Right? They were there thriving as well. They were flourishing. I think about Caleb. You know, Caleb in his older age, he was the one that said, you know, I want this mountain. And, and the, the Bible tells us about 
those who uh, their, their, their spirit and their force hadn't abated them. And I hope that that's, there's that stability, their passion hadn't diminished. Their, they found their place. They were in that place of where the children were found and they found them to be great stability. But you know what it was? It was also generational guidance. We see secondly in, in verse 4 that every man with his staff in his hand for very age. There were those, you know, the staff was given to the shepherd as this instrument of guidance. When the, when, the, when the shepherd walked around and they saw sheep who were sort of going the wrong way, they would pull out their staff and pull them back into line. You know what that is? It's just guidance. And, and so much of, of, of life and being without experience just needs others who have experience to just speak up with a tender voice to say, hey, you know, maybe come this way a little bit. Hey, I've, I've sort of been through that, and, and can I just share with you? And there's guidance. There's generational guidance. It was a symbol of guiding. And with, with the staff, you think about this innumerable flock. There, there, there's going to be guiding where there, there's great place for health. It's best suited for, for growth. And there's that generational guiding. Turn with me to another place of Scripture, Titus chapter 2. Thanks for listening so well. Titus chapter 2, look at verse 1. And I love this passage of Scripture. You know, often when I, I talk to our youth ministry, this is, the, this is the Bible's model for youth ministry. All right, this is, this is what the Bible, this is the, this is the place where you ought to spend some time if you're working in youth ministry. But Titus chapter 2, and, and really working with children, says in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise, Exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You know what he's saying? Be an example. He's saying that the aged women, you know, and the aged men, the way they're going to pass it on is that if they would be an example. He's saying there that, that in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. You know, the best way to guide is to, to lead by example. And you know, so much of life, sometimes the, the happenings of life can detour us a little bit. So much of life can sometimes discourage and suddenly there's things that we drop. Suddenly there's things that we start to question. And yet there's a great need, you know, if, if, the, if, if there's going to be a thriving and a flourishing of another generation, there needs to be some stability. There needs to be some generational guidance and there needs to be a patterning through living and through teaching and certainly by example. But we see that in this new Jerusalem, that there's going to be 
old men and old women dwelling in the streets of Jerusalem. They're still flourishing. They're still about, they're still available. And they're amongst it all. And yet what we see lastly, look at verse 6. We read verse 5. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. And, you know, I, I can't think of a more vivid picture of a, of a thriving society, of a thriving city, is when just kids have great freedom. This great, great uh, sense of, of just belonging and, and having the freedom to be boys and girls. But then notice verse 6, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, says, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days. You know, what we, we have to remember is this is a, a future thing to come. At that point, Jerusalem was still in ruins. A remnant had gone to rebuild the walls, rebuild the, uh, rebuild the, the temple. The, the worship was still being reinstituted. And, and yet, what he's saying here is, you know, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people these days. This was something still to come. Should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, what he was saying is that the reality wasn't the ideal. The ideal was boys and girls are playing in the streets. And it's true today, isn't it? The, the ideal is that. We want thriving, flourishing young people. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes we, we can get discouraged by the society that we live in and how what they have isn't what we had. You know, we, we fight all our lives to try to give something our, to our kids that we didn't have. But sometimes the reality is they just don't have it. This world is not what it used to be. It's, it's getting worse and worse. But, but here's the thing that, that he was saying, if it be marvelous in your eyes these days. You know what? There had to be people with vision. There had to be people who believed God could. And there needed to be those who were marveling today. You know that saying, if you, if you fail to plan, right, you... you Sometimes, sometimes we think, well, this is it. Sometimes we just get bogged down in the reality of now. When, think about it, God is able. And God's desire and God's ultimate plan is for that to happen. And, and, and what, what he's saying is there needs to be those with a vision. And there needs to be those, there needs to be some, some mums here this morning. There needs to be some Dad's here this morning. There needs to be some older folks here th this morning. There needs to be some of those who just have, a, have, a, have nieces and nephews. And there needs to be some of those who maybe you don't have direct children here. And, and you've just look at the young people and look at those that are coming along our, our way. And you've got to just be, 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 have the passion and have the vision and have the heart to say, you know, God can do something with that family and God can do something with that child. And, and I can see that there's a bit of trouble along the way, but here's what I'm saying. It's marvelous. God can and God is able and God is, is in his heart and his desire. He wants this to come to pass. And it won't be something that'll happen if we don't vision out 
and surrender ourselves to the working of God in these days. Because the reality is tomorrow won't come if we don't get through today. And if, if we won't see what tomorrow can bring in today and see and, and vision out what God can do that is marvelous, then there will be those who will just, they won't, they, they won't, get, they won't get to be part of this, these things. They won't have those weeks and moments where there's, there's impact. They won't have those that maybe would spend the time to pray for their grandchildren. They won't have those that maybe would just have a little bit of hope for, for this generation to just continue on the work and to, to be raised up in good homes and to have a desire, a real desire for the Word of God and a real desire to be in church and a real desire to serve God. And there won't be those who would, that's actually their dream and that's actually their driving passion. But it needs to be those who see it as marvelous in these days. And there's those that need to have a vision. And I hope, mom and dad, that there's a personal passion that you have as the faithful. Now, this is your personal passion as God has given you these children, that actually your passion is to see them flourish for the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that as a church, we don't just think, oh, well, look at these decorations. <laughs> that will actually you know, look what fun and look what joy and look, look at the children. And I hope that's our heart and that's a personal passion. It was marvelous in the eyes. And notice of who? The remnant. You know who the remnant were? They were the ones that decided to go and help. They were the faithful. They were the ones who already had, had, had sacrificed. They were the ones already who were willing to take a longer journey back. They were the ones already who were, were, were following after. And he's, he's making a personal plea. And he's saying, this should be your passion as the faithful. And the faithful want to see the Lord bless the boys and girls. And there's an understanding that if children thrive, then actually we thrive. But then notice also in verse 6, he says, as he closes there, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord. You know what it also is? It's not just a personal passion of the faithful, but it's also a patterned passion from the Lord. You know who, who cares about the boys and girls? It's God. <laughs> you remember what he said to his disciples? Suffer not the little children. He says, let them come to me. For of such is the kingdom of God. You know, how, how is it that we're supposed to believe? We're supposed to believe with childlike faith. You know, there's so much we can learn from children. There's so much in observing them. You know how you see sometimes how free they are how trusting they are. You see the, the great joy. Man, if we can only go back to that joyfulness of children, <laughs> our lives would change. You know, the, instead, the responsibilities have weighed us down. And what we see is, is it's, it's his passion too. You know, it's not just my, he's, he's not saying to them, let it be marvelous in your eyes this day. No, it's also going to be marvelous in my eyes. And it's my desire is, is what he's saying. It's, it's good for me. It's good that, that these boys and girls, they're, they're flourishing, they're, they're playing in the streets and they're going about and there's a great passion in God's heart for children. 
And there's a great passion in God's heart to see generations grow up and generations be reached and generations come up. And, and there's good, his desire is that there's nearness to him from these little ones. And so what I'm saying is it's a pattern. If we want to be Christ-like, then we ought to desire what he desires. It, it ought to not be someone else's responsibility. It ought to be our passion too. And so Jesus had a passion. And so what we see is a thriving society, a thriving and a flourishing generation, boys and girls playing in the streets. You know what they need? They need Jesus to take center stage again. Some of us, we've replaced God and we place someone else and something else there. And we just need him to return. We, we also need bigger people there who will be their guide, will give, give stability. I want to tell you, there needs to be a group of people here that have a vision, that have a great burden, who will marvel these days for a time to come. You know, we ought to tell our, our children about the Lord. We ought to desire very much. You know, one of the, the, the fondest memories I have last year was my, my, two of my kids getting saved. I remember sitting right here with Jaden. That week he got saved and he testified. And, and then I was just watching him sing there, sing with great bravado. You know, he, he probably gets that from me. He gets a skill from mom, all right? But the bravado he gets from me. <laughs> But I look at that and I think, you know, God's working in him. And I hope that we would look and we go, Lord, work in the other children. Lord, bless those kids, help them. I hope that we would pray for them. You know, Amy Carmichael wrote this poem. She said, Father, hear us, we are praying. Hear the words our hearts are saying. We are praying for our children. Keep them from the powers of evil, from the secret hidden peril. Father, hear us for our children. From the worldling's hollow gladness, from the sting of faith, faithless sadness, Father, Father, keep our children. Through life's troubled waters, steer them. Through life's bitter battles, cheer them. Father, Father, be thou near them. And you know, the, there's the the beautiful sound of boys and girls playing in the streets. And the desire that God has and His plan is that there'd be a flourishing generation. And I hope that's our heart too as we close this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, we appreciate, dear God, how you've worked through the course of this week. But Father, the work's not done. Lord, we know your heart. We, we know your desire is that each each household, Lord, this church and, Lord, the, the, the city and the country that we live in, Lord, it becomes a society that has you at the center. And, Father, we know that you'll achieve it one day. But, Father, there's nothing really stopping us today from desiring that. And, Lord, making the changes necessary to, to see that, at least in part, come to be. I pray, dear God, that there would be a, a Lord, just a, a great, Lord, flourishing in the lives of these young people, a great thriving, even in this darkened world, Lord, we need so much the, there to be little lights, Lord, who will just be a testimony for you. 
And Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us. And I wonder if this morning we would just take a, take a knee this morning. And I wonder if we would, if I could ask our families to come and pray together.